Hey everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Sam Levac Levy and Arag Yagmai from Solutions the Game. Solutions the Game is a cooperative board game that pits friends in a race against time to fight climate change. And before we jump into how the game works and what we explore in the episode, it is my pleasure to announce that the Kickstarter is officially live now. So before listening to the conversation today, if you want to check out what the game's about, see what the sizzle reel looks like and what all the hype is, you can click right into the show notes and click the link to the Kickstarter, watch the video, and pledge your support. And now in the episode, Sam Arad and I will discuss what exactly inspired the idea for Solutions the Game, some of the key mechanics that make the game super fun, like debate, trying to prove to your teammates that the solution that you're advocating for is the right one, being surprised by whether or not the thing that you're advocating for was the actual right solution, all while trying to avoid catastrophe. We'll also talk about launching the Kickstarter and the thinking that went into the different reward tiers in the campaign, some of the key marketing hurdles that they've already run into, and finally, the massive impact potential for a product like Solutions the Game. So without further ado, I can't wait for y'all to listen to this conversation with Sam and Murad from Solutions the Game. Murad and Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, Piero, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. All right, y'all. Today, we're going to be diving into Solutions the Game. It's hitting Kickstarter. Actually, as of this episode dropping, it should be being published today. That's right. Right? Knock on wood. But before we get into Solutions, the Eureka moment here, let's rewind into both of your backgrounds. So whichever one of y'all want to take the lead, quick brief on who you are and how we ended up here. Brad, do you want to go for it? No, Sam, you go. (laughs) I will go for it. So my name is Sam. My background's actually mechanical engineering, nothing to do with game design whatsoever. Um, I was pretty fortunate to gain a wide range of experiences through internships, through contract work. So I've worked, for example, at SpaceX, where I was working on the OctaWeb, which is the giant aluminum structure that combines the nine rocket engines to the rest of the rocket. I worked at Tesla, where I was working with the power pack inverter, which is basically, if you think, giant grid-scale energy storage, and we were helping doing the first prototype of, of that. I've worked at on electric flying cars at Lilium Aviation, which is off in Germany, drones, electric boats, of renewable energy. And so a very broad background, but really my, my number one mission has always been to fight climate change. And I'll get into the background of the game a bit, but I guess, Murad, I'll let you go give a bit of your background. Sure. So I just recently, I would say in the last year, got into the climate aspect of things. I spent the last decade living and working in Dubai, first with a manufacturing company, and then getting into the startup ecosystem, and working with accelerators, family offices, startups, founders. And I think it was last year, 2020, when I moved back during the pandemic, back to the States, and I realized, okay, what am I working on? The few projects I was passionate about in the last few years were within the ed tech space. So I felt social impact was something I was always interested in. And the wildfires, I moved back to California and the wildfires were happening. And I'm like, look, I haven't really paid attention too much to this. It's always been in the back of my mind. I never really did much about it or explored it deeper. Even in some of my engagements with some founders in that space, it was not something I really deep dived. And I said, look, I'm going to take a break and explore this space. So I joined different communities. So my climate journey, work on climate. And through that, I started exploring projects. So I'm someone who learns through engagement. So if people are familiar with educational curriculum, like project-based learning. So I learned through projects. So for me, it was interacting with founders and other people in the space. And I got to really understand one the problems, but also the types of solutions out there. And one of these projects was running into Sam a few months back. And he had already started working on this game. And I think he'll give a better story of 
where when he started and where what inspired him but pretty much when i heard what he was working on and the potential <laughs> i felt that the potential impact of what he's working on i was sold <laughs> and i'm like sam <laughs> i want to work with you <laughs> Let, let's do this and yeah, let's get into the game or if, <laughs> any other questions. Well, you made the segue to Sam pretty easy. So, Sam, I'd love to hear why were you motivated to manifest this internal fire around solving climate in some interesting way in the form of a game? What culmination of events happened that he said, ah, this is like the, the interesting step forward from here? It's a great question. Making a game is definitely not what I had planned out for my future. Definitely not what I had. My, additionally, my background's a bit in entrepreneurship as well. And so really, I've always been planning on combining the mechanical engineering and entrepreneurship. But back in 2018, I read an incredible book called Drawdown. And for those who don't know that Drawdown's in organization that came about in probably 2013, 2014. The book came out in 2017. And at the time, there was really a ton of great research being done in the climate space about what are the problems in climate, what all of the science, the ice sheets are melting, polar bears are dying, we all know the drill. And it's all really important stuff. But at the time, there wasn't a big focus on the science of the solutions and what we can do about it. And sure, there was a focus on a few select types of solutions, such as energy or transportation, but the truth is that there's so much more out there. And so they actually took a team of over 200 experts and analyzed all the climate solutions they could come across, and they wrote this book, and it's this fantastic compilation. Uh, you can just flip through it, and I, I would just read it and brainstorm, how can I fit into this solution? How can I fit into this one? And... When I heard that they were going to do their first ever conference in September 2019, I absolutely had to fly out. Penn State, first conference I ever attended, actually, we had an amazing time. And at the end of the conference, we held what we called an unconference, which was the attendees brainstorming ourselves, giving back. One of the attendees happened to be Hank Rogers, who's the entrepreneur behind Tetris. And... He's a huge environmentalist, and he, of course, ran a session on the gamification of Drawdown. And one of his proposals was, all right, let's turn Drawdown into a card game. And the second I heard him say that, I was just like, no, this makes so much more sense as a board game, and just started brainstorming the rules on the spot, really. And so I ended up talking to Hank, talking to the Drawdown team at the conference, and they let me go off on my own and do this. And so here we are two years later. Wow. Okay, so... I'd love to hear for the listeners, I see the big announcement about solutions. Why am I pumped to give this game a play test? How does it work? What is Solutions <laughs> the game? So it, Solutions is named that way because it, it's really focused on the solutions. It's, it's focused on hope for the climate, action for the climate. There's so much negative news out there. We're trying to fight that eco-anxiety a, a little bit and give people a ray of hope, but also a ray of hope that's actually um, really actionable. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But really, the subtitle of the game is Discover, Prioritize, and Take Action. And so by Discover, first of all, what the game is doing is exposing you to all these unique and surprising solutions that you've likely never heard of before. The, then Prioritize, well, you're one of the key design intentions of the game was to get people to really engage with these solutions. And there's so many games out there that are super thematic, whether in climate or otherwise, but the theme is really just that. It's just a theme and it doesn't really affect your gameplay. And I'll give a really great example that's close to my heart, which is the game Terraforming Mars. And Terraforming Mars is an amazing game. You're actually trying to cause climate change on Mars and in, in order to make it habitable. And they have tremendously creative and unique cards and things like 
shooting jets of of water from the moons of of Mars onto Mars or like hurling asteroids at it to increase friction to heat it up. But the creativity and magic of the cards does not matter whatsoever to the gameplay. All that matters is this card says plus two this, minus two this. And all that magic of the cards is completely lost when you play. And I get frustrated when I play. I'm like, can't we like tell me the cards? Read it out to me. I want to hear, but in reality, you just end up like playing them and doing the action. Mm -hmm. And so with solutions, I really want to do the opposite, where if you're going to play one of these magical climate solutions, you're going to need to actually interact with it, engage with it, and it's it's going to mean something. It's not just a thematic vehicle, if that makes sense. Yeah, I remember Merad. Merad, am I pronouncing your name correct? Yeah. I think I heard Sam say it differently. Merad, okay. When... <laughs> You and I connected uh, a few days ago. I remember one of the things that jumped out at me is, and Sam, you just spoke to it, but this kind of notion of debate. Yeah. Uh, and it feels very core to climate today. There is this very large and complicated web of potential solutions. And inside of this web, there's camps of people that believe that nature-based solutions are the only way forward others that want to geoengineer their own cloud alternatives and reshape the world as it exists today through breakthrough technology. And I think the, at least personally, I've always come away saying, let's do it all. Let's do it all, right? And this, the game, as I am understanding, is really a way to facilitate this, is get the conversation going. Whoever, I'd love for y'all to speak about how does debate play out in this game? Why is that a, a core mechanic that y'all decided to lean into? So I, I would say like, yeah. So for me, I feel you hit upon something that's very true to the situation we're all facing. There is no one solution that will save us <laughs> or address everything. There, there's no one magic bullet that does everything. Part of the game, it does take all the solutions. So maybe Sam and I can go more into how the game works, but a core element of it is with every round, temperatures keep rising. And as years go by, temperatures are rising. And your goal as a team, it's a cooperative game where you're trying to propose solutions. And at the end of the round, you still need to keep going. So you might've proposed that solution and Earth has decided to, we've decided as a team to implement the solution, but it's not over. We're going to need other solutions. We're going to need to tap into everything. And going back to game mechanics, the way Sam looked at how Drawdown has already ranked these solutions, and that lends itself perfectly for very simplistic game mechanics of this number is higher than this number. At its core, that's a very simple game mechanic. But there's this whole layering of debate and discussion around But is this solution greater than this one? Because the way you earn your points and the way you get to actually get your solution to be resolved and implemented is you rank them in the right order. So when you propose a hydrogen-based solution and someone proposes solar or wind, which one has a higher likelihood of impact? And then when we talk about impact, there's so many variables we have to think about in terms of feasibility, affordability, geography, and we're talking on a global level. And I think there is a beauty to relying on the individual who's playing the game to tap into their own personal experiences, but beyond that, even their own cultural understanding. So that could be a regional thing. So when you've lived, let's say in the Middle East, I've lived in the Middle East, there are certain things they do over there to address climate-related things that might not be feasible in other parts of the world. The The same thing applies elsewhere. So I think Sam in the past always talks about how in your, the way they think of public transport is completely different the way we think about it here in North America. Some cities here in North America don't actually have great public transport, whereas most major cities in Europe do have great public transportation. But beyond public transportation, is it a walkable city or is it a bike-friendly city? So there are all these mechanics, but those debate and those discussions when, when you're proposing these solutions, you have to take into effect or into account how will it be implemented in Africa, in an emerging country, in, in a, an already developed country where are they going to repave all their roads? So this inspires a lot of debate and discussion. So it's a critical thinking component that comes into the game 
Whereas going back to what was the core mechanic? It's a simple numbers game. Which ranking is higher than the other? But for you to get it right, you will debate and discuss with your team. And going back to another core mechanic, it's a cooperative game. It's not a zero sum where you win and I lose or I win and you lose. No, we all win or we all lose. So now when we're debating and discussing, we're trying to cooperatively debate. So I'm not trying to win an argument for the sake of me being right. I will have to concede my point if you make a great point of why that wind turbine solution is superior to my hybrid vehicle solution or vice versa. Who can make the greater case? And going back into how the game has hype and excitement because there's a reveal moment with every round. Like it, it taps into these intrinsic fundamentals of human nature. We, we love to be surprised, but we also love to debate, I guess. Like it, it pushes you to pull in what you know. And that's why when we've playtested the game, we've playtested with over 500 people. And when I 500 people, all ages from kids to adults, but even adults, there are people who understand climate science, who are climate scientists we've, we've you know, playtested with and also worked with to develop the game, but also adults who have no clue about climate, but they have some knowledge from their own history and their experience to play into the game. They've lived in a certain place. They've done a certain thing. So I think debate is a fundamental tool that we're leveraging to, to spur this discussion. And you walk away without realizing it. You shared your knowledge about a certain thing with me, and I shared a knowledge about something with you, but we came into this not knowing one about the solution maybe, but also about those specific personal experiences of one another. And that further fueled the debate and discussion for us to win. So there is a goal as well, going back to game mechanics, there's a win and lose scenario as well. It's not an open-ended thing. So the core conflict that the group is trying to prevent is reaching that degree of warmth threshold. And so every round, the group is debating on which solutions get the green light, which one get put on the back burner. My question for you is, let's say that I have zero knowledge coming into this game. I know that climate is this like kind of big, complicated thing, but I have no idea if hydro is going to be a better solution than e-bikes in my city. So how have y'all thought about that? How is that addressed in gameplay? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And Ryan mentioned, we've tested the game on over 500 people at this point. Probably about one to 200 of those people have been people with literally zero background on climate. They might be musicians, they might be some completely separate profession. But the reason the game works for those people is because we've spent thousands and thousands of hours trying to craft these cards to be really short and readable, but to have all the background information you need to spark that discussion. And honestly, like condensing the pages and pages of drawdown into 30 words or less on a card has not been easy, but I think it's been really worth it because just, just what I was saying, even if you've never thought about a particular solution before, we try and add hooks on the cards where you can then hook into some previous experience or some kind of, of world knowledge. And there, there might be some situations where you're really like, okay, honestly, I have no idea. Let's just, let's just take a guess and learn. Mm-hmm. But even when you're doing that, then you flip over the cards and, and you're learning. And there's... Do you have an example that we could read to our listeners? It yeah. It would be cool to, to narrate. What, is, what do one of these cards look and feel like right now? Yeah, definitely. Let's go with... I have the card for clean cook stoves in front of me. So clean cook stoves is something that I, I had never thought about before reading Jawdown. And the card says... Three billion people cook over open fires or simple stoves fueled by wood, charcoal, dung, and coal, releasing polluting smoke and soot. Improved cook stoves can cut emissions by 95%. Wow. And so already, even if you know nothing about clean cook stoves, you now know that there's a huge potential reduction in terms of the efficiency of the cook stove. And then you also know that this is a really widespread problem. There's 3 billion people 
in the world who are facing these kind of circumstances. So now it's up to you to pull in some of those other pieces from mm -hmm. whether it's from your background, mm -hmm. maybe you, you visited one of these developing countries before, whatever, and to really try and figure out how broadly applicable is this? How much impact can it have? Can you read else? another card? I want to yeah. see if as a potential player, which one I would advocate for. <laughs> Definitely. Um, this is awesome. Thank you. So I have another one here for peatlands. Okay. And so again, something I'd never thought about before reading Jordan. It says, forests sequester less carbon as they mature. Peatlands absorb carbon for centuries. Legal protection prevents destruction for agriculture, fuel, and other needs, which releases this carbon. Rewetting the peatlands restores the carbon. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, if I had to advocate for one, yes, um, I would advocate for, I think, the, I don't know why, I feel like the correct answer is the is the second one that you just read, but mm -hmm. my gut feels like I would advocate for the first one because it feels like permanent change. If you get, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was 3 billion people, but it was some significant number. And if you could get them to start cooking in a way that you're not burning, it reduces emissions by 95%. And now that is a permanent fix. That's, a, that's like you're solving the root problem and hopefully for good. I don't know if like permanence is baked into this, Yeah. but I think I would advocate for that one. So I'd love to hear it. Please, please give me the truth. Was I right or wrong? <laughs> well, well, so something I'll add to that quickly is, so as it says on the card, a, a lot of the current stoves in these countries are just simple open fires or they're, they're fueled by wood or charcoal, for example, which is also made of wood. Mm -hmm. Now, where does that wood come from? It comes from existing forests that are sequestering carbon as they go through their respiration process. But also when you chop those forests down, that's additional emissions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's almost even a triple whammy because you have the emissions from cutting down the trees. You have the lost sequestration potential mm -hmm. of keeping those forests alive. And burning. Yeah. And then the third, yeah, like you're saying, when you burn that wood, it's releasing, it's releasing CO2, smokes, and black carbon is actually the second most powerful greenhouse gas. And what it says on the back of the card, and I can reveal it in a second, but on the back of the card, there's a short blurb that gives you a bit more context. It's like why the solutions are ranked as they are. And one of those things is that Black carbon emissions are 17% of black carbon emissions come from burning wood for cooking. And so huge impacts right there. So actually you were right. So we have clean cook stoves coming at number nine, the ninth most impactful solution and mm -hmm. peatlands at number 12. Great intuition there. And All right. I'm already, now my wheels are turning because I can see <laughs> now I'm, simulating a conversation you know, I'm playing with my fiance, yeah. our friends. And the beauty here is it still preserves some of the core fun that games introduce into an environment, which is a conflict between players. Like y'all want you all, we have this shared goal in mind, but we are going to feel some type of way about how to get there. And Catan, yeah. People have strategies around how to rack up points, settlements, longest road, army, and pen. Another cooperative board game. People feel very strongly about how people should make decisions, and I can I already know in this in this in just this example that yeah. the other three people I'm playing with are probably going to have totally different worldviews and opinions around which makes the most sense. This yeah. is awesome. Absolutely. My question, just to to tell the listeners around how the rankings work. So we talked about Drawdown. They spent years and years now refining this list. Give just a short brief on how the rankings are determined. What is the general criteria that says 
this solution is number one lowest hanging fruit on the list. We've got to do this. Yeah. So w- what informs that criteria? Definitely. Yeah, the, the equal basis for comparison for all of them is the CO2E emissions reduced. And so CO2E is CO2 equivalent. And so obviously everyone always talks about CO2 when you're talking about emissions, but there's several other gases such as methane, which is about 34 times worse than CO2 over a hundred years. And it's even worse over, over 20 years. Or you have, you have refrigerants, like what's in your refrigerator or, or your air conditioning unit. And those can be up to 9,000 times worse than CO2. And which makes for one of the more surprising solutions in the game, actually. Basically, they've, they've taken all these equivalencies for all these different types of gases and the emissions, and they've modeled out to 2050. So you're looking at each solution, you're looking at how much CO2e could it prevent or reduce between 2020 and 2050. And the other big thing is that you want to think about each solution as optimistic, but plausible. And so, well, what that means, for example, so the, the clean cook stove solution, choosing the solution does not mean that every single open fire in the world is now replaced with a clean cook stove. It's what's realistic based on the economics of it, the technology, adoption trends, et cetera. And so the, the Drawdown team has done this fantastic job of, of modeling all this. And so that, that's really the, the starting point then for these discussions. I think let's talk as if the Kickstarter is today. I'd love to hear what some of the different tiers or rewards are and the general thinking that went into what each of those pledge levels are. So I, I can cover a few of them. I, I don't, do we want to reveal all of them or they can see it, but <laughs> We like this idea that there is a massive educational component, even though we're talking about a game. So one of our reward tiers is we're working with a few entities and Sam can talk more in terms of the partners and all that. But specifically, we've been working with them in terms of how can this blend into curriculum or even into lesson plans. So one of the tiers is an educator's edition. Obviously, that's not for everyone, but there is a strong component that we see there's a demand from educators because people have stumbled upon our page and reach out to us. Hey, can I get a copy today? <laughs> so we're not even out yet and, and they're reaching out. Hence why we even have a virtual version for people can try it out for now and see how it is. Obviously, there's a difference playing in person, but getting it out there is important to us. So that's well, one thing I'll, I'll just quickly jump in to say that when I initially designed the game, it, it was not meant to be an educational game. And I think there's a lot of stigma with an educational game is like stiff and boring, like doing homework. And and that really wasn't the intent. The intent was to just make something, a discussion-based game, like Cards Against Humanity-ish in a way where you can just have fun and also not even realize that you're thinking about all this meaningful stuff. But the, the partnerships with the educational institutions really just happen naturally through accidentally talking to to teachers about it, really. Mm -hmm. And so there's been a a tremendous response from the educators, which is why we've gone off and made this educators edition as well. Yeah, I just wanted to caveat that. Go ahead. Yeah. Going back to what Sam just pointed right now, like at at its essence, it is a game. And how you you, you just played a a simple round, right? Just yourself. Mm -hmm. That's almost a cheating mode because if you think of uh if i was on your team as well and i i was more of an advocate for the peatlands example i would have sowed doubt into your head and we would have had a discussion of wait no maybe peatlands is a better option so there is a massive game component and going back to those two examples were i'm guessing things that you probably don't think about but that in that initial prompt was where you took some learning in but you didn't realize it you just took that learning in to play a game Right. And then me discussing it with you, we're going to keep going back and forth. No, I think there's more peatlands than there are potential cook soaps. So it is a game at its core. So that's just really only just one one tier of our education edition, uh, one of our pledges. And that's the educators edition. The others are more improving the game. So we, we love this idea of community. And we, we also understand 
Drawdown has done a great job with, let's say, these 76 ranked solutions. But there's so many more solutions out there that we even have in terms of our more advanced level of the game, where we have gold and silver tier cards, which are the more hypothetical or not proven technologies that couldn't be ranked. And we have a game element of how this, those can come in. But beyond that, we only have a few of ourselves. So we have Hyperloop and you know mineralization. We, we, we have a few things out there in, in that sense. But again, they're not quantifiable today because it's not being done, right? Or at a scale. Mm-hmm. But going back to what we're asking the audience to do is, or our backers, they can now be part of their suggestions. So we actually want them to propose solutions and even have corporates potentially sponsor their new technology as a solution. So that's we have tiers like, like that. I would say going back to the drawdown, one of the greatest, uh, or I, I don't know, depending on how much of a climate science geek you are, we, while we've been, uh, let's say, testing the game, we've been talking with Paul Hawken, who was the original creator, author of Drawdown, and he has his new book coming out in September 2021, which is called Regeneration. And that has this whole other exploration of greater solutions and how they're all interconnected. It's a more systems thinking approach. And so with our discussions back and forth, one, he endorsed our game. We, we sent him a copy. He doesn't live too far from me in California, so it got there really quick. And he not only endorsed the game, now he's also agreed to have a, give us a few copies of his book, signed copy. So we've made a bundle, a regeneration bundle for, uh, again, a limited number for yeah. people who are you know fans of his work to get a copy of his book, a signed copy of his book, as well as with our game. Again, that's more yeah. a specific niche who might be interested mm-hmm. in that tier of reward. And his backing is pretty awesome. And then there is the more fun type of rewards. Because look, going back to our solutions, these are real solutions that exist. And look, th- there's no point hiding this, but pretty much one of them is telepresence. So w- one solution is with everything that happened last year, we, we noticed air travel drop down. So as telepresence continues to be you know, more adopted, that is one of our solution cards. So clearly this can easily go into a reward and it's your face on the card. So we at the end have a photo, like all our solutions, which are real, have a photo. So we try and show the realism that these things have been implemented before. So the telepresence one obviously is an image of a Zoom or some remote you know, telecommunication. Peter, you can have your face and your friend, and (laughs) this goes out to everyone. So your face can be on the card. It gets distributed all around the world through our partnerships. Yeah, so we have these type of more fun, but look, they're fundamental to the game, right? So Mm -hmm. this is not just a gimmicky type thing. It actually is you fundamentally change the Mm -hmm. solutions. You can propose solutions and you can actually be (laughs) your face, at least on the solutions. Something that intrigued me a ton about really prioritizing sustainability through the entire supply chain is these pieces around minimalization, right? Only putting what's required inside of the box. And that shines through not just in the components, but the total size of the box. And then for all the things that can't be dressed in physical form, you've also partnered with someone to help neutralize the other footprint that can't be solved, right, inside of the product. So I'd love to hear broadly how y'all have thought about prioritizing sustainability through the entire product development process. And then among things that couldn't be addressed there, how have y'all solved or de-risked that part of the the supply chain? Yeah, it's a really great question. It's something that we, we thought a lot about, and obviously for context, board games are not a huge polluter. But that being said, it's still something that we have in our sphere of, of control and that we've tried to do what we can about. And so really it, it started with designing the components, like you were saying, with minimal waste in mind. And first of all, if you look at the, the size of the box, so my background's mechanical engineering. I, I really love just optimizing things to fit together. So we've actually sized the box to exactly fit in a USPS small flat rate box. So it's the, the perfect size for, there's no waste in space in the shipping box, at least in, in the US. And then in terms of components, 
we're trying to have a, a digital rule book so you can scan the, the QR code instead of having the paper thing. That way everyone can have a copy on their phone. There's no more like craning your neck over everyone or, or just have one person having to take care of the rules and everyone just like twiddles their thumbs while, while they figure it out. And then otherwise, obviously we tried to minimize all plastic in the game and there, there is no plastic other than the shrink wrap, which is really important because without that, moisture can go into the game and it's going to be a lot more wasteful to have to throw out a batch of games than it is to just put that really thin film of, of plastic over there. And then, just like you said, we can't account for everything. And so, because, and hopefully soon we will. There are, in the board game industry, it's currently very difficult to get the more sustainable options. But things are trending in that direction. But in the meantime, for everything that's not under our control, we've partnered with Cooler to neutralize our carbon emissions. And the, the cool thing about this is it's not actually a simple carbon offset where there, there's many problems with traditional carbon offsets, such as planting trees, for example. And how, how do you know that tree isn't going to be caught in a forest fire or be cut down later on. And there's all, all this... The point is, trees aren't a very good carbon offset. And so what Cooler does is they actually neutralize the carbon by buying credits in carbon markets in the US. And basically, this prevents coal plants and other big polluters from polluting. So in these regions that they do this, there are a limited number of pollution credits. And once those credits have run out, then the coal plants or whatever other polluters there are need to literally stop operations. And so they will basically part of the revenue from the game goes into buying credits from that system and preventing the polluters from using it. Wow. You know, I can even see, for anyone interesting, if you go to Solutions the Game's website, solutionsthegame.com, and then you click over to their carbon neutralization page, you can just click through to it. It's really quite fascinating how y'all have documented all the different puzzle pieces that feed into the emission. So what parts of the process from electricity, transportation waste, game components, the share of the footprint. This is Hasbro, all the big dogs, they've been around for years and years. You don't see any of the above being even half of it as transparent as this. And this is not only quite earnest that y'all are diverting a piece of the proceeds to neutralizing your footprint, but for anyone else, including myself, that makes games or physical products that wants a general overview on what parts of the chain are the larger culprits that are driving emissions across the chain. This is a blueprint of sorts. Yeah. So tipping my hat to y'all for, for doing that in the first place, you definitely did not have to do that. I wish we could take credit for it. Really. That was all on coolers and we're tremendously grateful for, for having partnered with them to do that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I totally agree because it's a blueprint for future improvements as well. Mm -hmm. Right now, now you can look at those pie charts and be like, all right, if I want to focus my efforts in like, where should I focus them in in reducing Mm -hmm. those emissions? One of the things when Marad and I spoke a a couple days ago was around some of these amazing stories that have surfaced among the play testers so far. So Marad, I'd love for you to speak of what is it what is the story that y'all are already proud of that really has said yep what we're doing is this is exactly what we should be doing right now in moment in time i'll preface that with we we knew the game is just a starting point so even in our games today on all the cards we actually have a qr code on the back of the card and and the, the initial premise is look maybe people get intrigued by the solution they just played, and they want to go learn more. But beyond that, we we always thought that 
We want them to take action. So as soon as you learn about that type of solution, is there something you could do as an individual within your community? It might be even on the political level. So there's different ways us as individuals can be part of all these solutions in some shape or form. Obviously, some in more direct ways. So this was our thinking. And we, we had already thought of this. We, we, and But what we did not expect was it to organically happen while we were doing our play tests. So going back to what we said, we, we started play testing and we sent this game out to all types of individuals or groups. And one of those groups is educators and classrooms and teachers. And one specific scenario that arose was a school in Palm Beach in, in Florida. And they played the game. They played the game in the classroom. The teacher decided to play the game. And what happened was the students said, hey, this is an interesting solution. And in that specific case, it was related to food waste. And they realized, oh, this is pretty impactful. And they started realizing we have a cafeteria here and we actually do have food waste at our cafeteria. And it it translated into... I would say something along the lines of project-based learning. So they went back to their teacher and said, hey, we would love to address this. Can we kind of work on this as a class project? So that that simple, let's say, game started a chain reaction where it became a class project. That class project went to the cafeteria of the school to all. So now this affects all the classrooms, all the students, all the teachers. So now it affects the administrators. And they actually started to weigh their food waste. And they actually started to, now that they're measuring it, right, now they can actually do something about that. So they started to weigh the amount of food waste, and they're on track to reducing it. Sam, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but about three kilograms per week of food waste. So they started weighing per, the per food. Day. Per, per day. Per day. Sorry. Yeah, per day. Yeah. So it, that's immensely impactful for something that we we thought we need to, one, give them the project templates that take action I was telling you about. But we saw that happening on their own. But they're a great example, and they've set a precedent. So now their specific story, which actually got highlighted by a local news reporter. So apparently like the local news heard about this story, and they went and interviewing the classroom and the students about this project they started. But it all started from exposure to this concept from a game they played in a classroom. And maybe it was a 30-minute play, maybe it was a 60-minute playthrough, but that had an immense effect that now has rippled into that. But we also hear stories from other educators of composting and other projects that are started from that initial exposure. And to be honest, this has also ripple, has had a ripple effect beyond students where we play tested with doctors and they composting at home. So people who aren't from a climate background. Hey, and just to interject there. So first of all, the classes that I was talking about were grade six classes. So it was two grade six classes and both of this teacher's classes independently decided to do food waste projects. And so that was really cool. But not only did it inspire the students to do that, it also inspired the faculty to bring back a school garden that they used to have and then they got rid of. And it also inspired them to bring back a composting program that they used to have and got rid of. So it, those impacts actually went beyond just students into the faculty. And what we hope is that when those kids go home to their families, they get, they're excited about all the cool things they did at school and that excitement starts jumping to their parents. And if you look at right now, probably about 98% of the world does not do anything about climate. And how can we get to a lot of those people? We think it's through their kids. And if you look at what often works for getting people to stop smoking, no amount of government advertising or the labels that show all the cancerous lungs, that doesn't do anything. But what does get people to stop smoking is their kids begging them to. And so we think that really this can be a great starting point for that change spreading really just throughout parents and throughout the world. Wow. And I'm curious, will the educators edition include 
project templates. So now the teacher says, hey, I've got all these different options. What will that look like, do you think? So this goes back to what you were asking about the pledge tier. So to start, we will have a lesson plan. But our hope is with our stretch goals, depending on how successful our campaign is, knock on wood, it's going to go. We start unlocking curriculum based on the different age ranges. So we think starting with probably the younger ages, middle school, high school, and then going to university. And then that also trickles into the different types of classroom settings. So if it's a science-based classroom, if it's an English lesson, you can even use this as a debate prompt. So there, there are different ways to utilize these. So we've actually now partnered with a few organizations, and I can name drop a few like Climate Science and Green Teachers. That these, these are just a few of them, one's based in the UK, one's based in Canada. So we're as collaborative as possible to get the right resources to the right places. And again, we know we are not educators by that definition. We're, we're like, let's say, gamers, right? So we're working with them to come up with those curriculum. And we're not, we don't claim to know what the best curriculum is. We're just, you know, giving them our tool and they will craft that ideal project template, ideal, you know, classroom setting that what's a prompt. How do you lead these discussions? And that's our goal to, to get that, but beyond the classroom. So you, you hinted at the educators edition, but going back to our QR codes, we do have this longer vision of a solutions action oriented network or platform where it's open to almost everyone. And this is even adults included, not just kids. What can I do at home? And not only what can I do at home, what can I do in my geography? And what can I do in my geography can also mean from my actual housing, what I can do outside, but also my politicians, my city council members. So we actually have city councils in the UK who are now starting to use our game. We, we have an organization in Canada, a political action committee, who are using the game as debate discussions around these topics. So we actually see it's not just educators. It is all types of individuals can learn from this game, but they love it as a discussion prompt, as something to break the ice, as a team building, team networking, team meeting type of use case. So it's not purely a climate-related educational device. It is a team-building game at its core. And again, the simple mm-hmm. game mechanic, it is so. And to add to that quickly, when you think about what you as an individual can do for climate change, you'll see all the all these articles that we've all been fed, like top five things you can do to help save the world. And you'll get things like flying less or maybe unplugging your TV at night. And really, there was a great interview from Paul Hawken, and he just said it so perfectly, which was that anyone who sees these lists with an IQ above room temperature just intuitively knows that we're screwed. Because these solutions that we're being presented with come nowhere near to the magnitude of the problem that we're inundated with every day. And we're seeing these ice sheets collapsing and California, Australia on fire, the Amazon on fire. And that unplugging your TV at night isn't going to help. And what we're really trying to show here is that when you think of these climate actions, what can be done, most people think of the tiny personal actions that you can do. And then there's the giant actions that can only be done by governments or big corporations. But what we're trying to show is that there's also a huge fear of actions in the middle where a single individual or a group of individuals can have tremendous impact just by themselves. And so it's the difference, for example, between putting solar panels on your roof or starting a community solar farm for your entire neighborhood. Or it's the difference between reducing your food waste at home or doing it for your entire school cafeteria or organization. And what we're trying to do is not only spark these solutions, spark the fact that these are possible, but also get them to spread. So if that school that did the food waste project can upload that action template, and then maybe an employee at Google sees it and realizes, Mm -hmm. hey, how could I adapt this action template to reducing food waste at all of Google's cafeterias? And you can get 
those action templates to hop across from organizations to schools to families and just get the action to spread. Because really, that, that's what Drawdown shows us, is that the solutions to climate exist and the problem is lack of implementation. Mm-hmm. And most people think that's there's not, not much they can do, but we try and show people differently. Before we, we reach the bookends, I'd love to hear... How are y'all thinking about getting the message out? The product sounds great. And I hope our little family here at In Good Hands can help in a small way. But how are you guys thinking about marketing? How can we get every home, every school to give Solutions the Game a try? Any of y'all feel free to, to take it from here. So I'll say something quickly and then maybe I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Murad. We got a really interesting testimonial from a game designer in Switzerland. And he was just a regular person, no real prior interest in in climate. And he said, if you normally told me to go out and buy a board game about climate change, I would say, no way. That sounds boring and just like lame. But after playing it, I've totally changed my mind. And this game is awesome. And anyone who just even has the slightest interest in the topic should give it a try. And I think that really shows one of the key challenges that we have in front of us for the marketing is how do we get over those initial perceptions of, oh, a climate game is going to be an educational game. It's going to be stiff and boring. And how do we just not trick people, but convince them to give it a, a shot? And I think if we can convince them to do it, then I think a lot of people will really enjoy it and get something out of it. But yeah, I think you, you put that challenge very, very well to us. I'm right, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. So going based on what Sam said, so we when we think of our marketing, we're like, okay, we, we don't really need to focus on educators. Like educators are coming to us as soon as they hear about it. So we said, look, let us just market this game as a game. It is a game. So what do we do? We start running some pre-marketing ads to build up for the campaign on Facebook, Instagram. And w- what are we marketing? We're not saying it's an education game. We're not even really talking about climate. We're like, this is a great board game. So we it's a mix of the reaction shots. It's how people are engaged. It's a fun game that they're debating. They're like frustrated. They're all, all those things we during our discussion. And then what happens? I think three days into running some of those ads, we get flagged. And, and I'm like, what, what is this? I've never seen this flag. I've, I've run ads before on Instagram and Facebook before. And it says, oh, wait, this is a political message. This is a political message. What's the political message? And then I realized because in the picture, it's our box art, right? It's climate change. But even though none of the ad copy talked about climate change, we got flagged. And then what, when, when I mean flagged, all our ads, our whole account is suspended. We're on hold until we can verify. What does verify mean? I'm holding like, so it took a week to get this paper to verify who I am as a person in the United States that I'm an actual person. I'm not a propaganda agent, but beyond this is just the verification of my address. I need to now go notarize another document that I am who I say I am. My intentions are not to do harm. So my point is I, I get the point of, you know, political things and the things that have happened is getting into political discussion, but I don't think climate change should be a political issue specifically when we're talking about a game and this is i guess a core problem that we have about addressing climate as a society as when we have these gatekeepers of some sort labeling it as a political thing for us to think about climate it's a political issue and i I think this is actually tapping into something else that's another whole podcast to talk about but i think this is one of the challenges we face so where we're looking at is, look, we now really need to rely on organic reach. Like we're going to go through these hoops to like get past this and all that. But again, if maybe they reduce the amount of spread our ad gets because it's now classified as a political thing. So even this verification, it still will get classified as a political topic. And that's my one of the core issues I think we have as a overall society that we are classifying climate change, which is a humanity-wide issue that we need to resolve and address with a short amount of time. Like, it's a pretty urgent matter. And if we start making it a political game, that's not going to help. 
So I, I think this is a, a, a bigger problem, another discussion to be had. But this goes back to what you asked. What is our reach or how are we trying to get the word out that we wanted to go ads as well? Obviously, we don't have a ma- massive budget. So we now do really need to even more so rely on an organic reach. We're here talking to you, Peter, <laughs> your audience, a- anyone out there. Like It is now reliant on this because we can't purely rely on the traditional ad channels and our reach mm-hmm. might be stifled because it's labeled as a political statement. And we're just trying to honestly show people having fun with it. We were pretty lucky to, when we sent out these copies of games to people, we, we got some amazing video back and you can really see like the tension building throughout the game and then cards are revealed and everyone's cheering or crying and bawling their eyes. And no, no, it's not that bad. But yeah, it's a, we're just, in terms of the marketing, just trying to show rather than tell that, look, you, you can see these genuine reactions of like people playing. Yeah, show, don't mm-hmm. tell. I want to wrap up by rolling out the red carpet. What final call to action, anything that you want to leave with our listeners? I just want to to roll the red carpet. The floor is both of yours. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's three, three main takeaways I'd love to leave people with. First, climate is an exponential problem and it's really serious, but the solutions are also exponential. So you, you have the, the problems getting worse and worse, right? The, the warmer the world gets, the more likely we are to have feedback loops that can warm the world even further. But we know that technology, technological growth is exponential and also social change is exponential. And so really we're in a race to see which of these exponentials is going to win out. And a lot of what we're trying to do is bring that hope for the future that we can do it. The second is that there are dozens and dozens of climate solutions that you've likely never heard of. And many of the most unique ones have surprisingly high impacts. And so we're trying to get that out there. And then I guess third is don't believe these lists of the top five things you can do about climate change on the internet. There's hundreds of actions that you can take that will have a significant impact well beyond yourself. Not that we're like expecting people to take those based on the game, but we're exposing them to it as an option. But otherwise, we'll be launching on Kickstarter on July 13th. And so you, the best thing to do right now is visit solutionsthegame.com. You can sign up to our mailing list. It's right on the homepage and you'll be notified when it launches and it'll be launching at a 20% discount. And yeah, we're also always looking for partnerships to help us distribute the game around the world, to pilot the game in new contexts such as politics or with organizations. And so if that's something that you're interested in helping out with, you can reach out to us at info at solutionsthegame.com. Amazing. Yeah. But Rod, anything else to add? I, I would just redub what, what he said. Like it's backing us, or but backing us can come in the form of actually pledging or just telling people who might be interested. And again, not only educators, not only climate people, but almost anyone who enjoys the game. And then the, mm-hmm. the second part was partnerships. So our vision is grand for how for us impact comes through reach. And that can be reached in the right location. So even if it's just one copy getting to the table of a certain organization, that's what matters. So it could be in a corporate setting. It could be in a political setting. But just using this as an excuse to team build, to play a game. And if that stimulates you to think about the solutions out there, to think of solutions you haven't thought about, that's what matters. So partnerships, I think, is also a big thing. So not just purely pledging. But if you have an idea of a potential company or your own company or have a connection to something, I, I think that itself is a powerful thing. Yeah, that's an ask. Sam Marad, I just want to take a second to thank both of you. I am so pumped that we have two people like yourself going after an opportunity of this nature. Congrats on all of the early success so far with all of the lucky play testers who have had a chance to, to give it a go. And I wish you great success 
in the launch and beyond. Anyone listening here, so today we're launching, it's July 13th. If the Kickstarter starter has launched, I will be linking directly to it in the show notes. So no need to type it into a URL. Worst case solutions, the game.com, but go right into the episode here, click into that Kickstarter link, pledge your support. I know I'll be doing the same. Sam and Murad, thank you so much again. Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. This was awesome. Thank you, Peter. Hey there, you made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rock star founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levin or email us, hello at ingothands.us. Thank you so much again and look forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.